0: You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one day at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started.
1: different cultures, teach us about the power of words according to Dr. Mandeep Rai, a global authority on values and the author of the Values Compass, what 101 countries teach us about purpose, life and leadership. Dr. Mandeep Rai has been acknowledged in the global ranking of the top thinkers to watch in 2021 by Thinkers 50. Thinkers50 is an organization that celebrates awe-inspiring minds engaged in some of the world's thought leadership. She is also shortlisted for the Business Book Awards category of diversity, inclusion and equality for her book, The Values Compass. I am so grateful to have your time and attention today. Would you share with my audience what has made you smile today? I
0: have to say, that's a wonderful icebreaker and a great way to start. So today's been quite a fortunate day in that yesterday was the anniversary of George Floyd, the day before yesterday. There was a huge awards ceremony based upon that day. And for me, it's rather important because my book, The Values Compass, is in the diversity, inclusion, equality category. And it had been shortlisted for that category. And then it became chosen as the most kind of highly commended, recommended book. So that's really had a smile on my face that I don't wish to wipe off too quickly.
1: Well deserved too. You did amazing work around that. And I'm going to come back to your book in just a moment because I'd like to touch on your leadership journey. And the reason for this is our world is full of experts from different disciplines. And the opportunity now arises for us to have interdisciplinary and intergenerational collaborations. I think that helps us in understanding each other as well. So I think you reside, like me, in the field of the polymath. It means being the one whose geniuses span many fields, and we can influence multiple spheres, which you certainly did in your book. And like me, I think you've crossed over in other ones like economics, music, mysticism, physics, politics, and all of that can help us gain a higher vivid vision and collaborate in the world that we would like to design based on, perhaps for me, it's a fulcrum point between the sacred money market, people, planet, and the outer cosmos. So can you share your leadership journey? Because your career is quite diverse from private banking to the UN to, yeah, (laughs) please.
0: I, firstly, I love the way you phrased that entire question. It was very poetic. You said the fulcrum of or the kind of the space in between. I, I'm just not as poetic as you. It was very well put. Thank you.
1: Fulcrum point for me is like a child's seesaw. So we have the sacred money market like this at the moment. And I think the pandemic has kind of said, hey, what about people and planet? And for me, being a bit of a star tricky, what about the outer space as well? So the fulcrum point is balancing it like a child's seesaw.
0: Yeah, beautifully put. And true, I agree. So I guess I've also thought about that fulcrum point without realising it and having a balance. And it's been my values that have helped me course correct each and every time. So you're right, as in my career did start in private banking, and there's always been an element of either venture capital or entrepreneurship. So either investing or creating in the startup venture capital world. But for what aim? And that's where my values kick in. And I guess the aim or the intention behind it is international development. Hence, you mentioned the UN. I've worked at the EU and many multi-NGOs and currently sit on the board of several too, such as Power of Zero, Creative Visions, one based in India to help girls in STEM. So there's always been a strong international development to my career. That would be one of the other pivots in the fulcrum. And the third would be broadcast journalism. So that has been radio, TV, print, and more recently social media, and more recently Zoom, we might as well just say. And essentially I've found that media or telling storytelling can often have a really a very quick, wide reaching impact and influence. Whereas with sometimes in the NGO world, that can take a little bit longer. So the aim has been, or the kind of purpose part is definitely international development. But the way to do that has been both through, I guess, business and through journalism, media, information, storytelling.
1: Our paths very much parallel because I started my career in private banking as an in-house counsel for a multinational bank, moving through private trusts, investments, all sorts of areas, and then continued up to being a general counsel of another multinational and discovered I was successful, but not satisfied. So I was also watching the predatory banking in the first decade of this century, and I pivoted out of the corporate world and started a social enterprise law firm starting a social enterprise law firm before anyone had defined any of that in 2003. So we're coming up, closing in on 20 years. So I've obviously got a law degree, but my next degree was a master's in philanthropy. And doing the master's in philanthropy, I drew attention to being invited to do a doctorate around global business. But I started the doctorate by writing a song that was presented to the UN in 2013 to Prime, Principles of Responsible Management Education. So In your book, you referred to the values of negawagua and how they live and breathe and express through poetry. Well, I turned my angst into a poem and then turned the poem into song lyrics and collaborated for that song, which, as I said, was my way of, as you nicely put, was to translate the national story, the protesting injustices, and I love the way you use the words a vessel for aspirations and dreams. So that song started my doctorate and, it, and the social enterprise started my work continuing in global business with senior leadership, but also including community and bringing the conversations about community to senior leaderships. So you would not be surprised that my values are wisdom, dialogue, <laughs> education, I'm sure. <laughs> so being a global authority on values and working with companies, institutions, and individuals around the world and traveling to 150 countries, I could really resonate with
0: I knew why I was doing it in the sense that I was a broadcast journalist, so I was doing it for work, but I didn't know that the book would, I mean, I was always told that I should write a book, but I always thought I would do it once I had retired or at the end of, at the end of the journey, not that the journey ever ends, but you know, that was kind of my thought that I'd do it in my 60s or 70s or 80s. And that day just came a lot sooner for me.
1: Yes, and thank you. It's an amazing contribution. So that kind of leads me into legacy, impact, and transformation, which is one of your specialist areas. And I saw that you were at Davos in 2020 with the launch of the book as well. What would you like to be a different tomorrow?
0: That's a great question. Well, firstly, I would love, you know, one in the diversity, equality, inclusion category. And yet I feel that we're so far from equality. So I would love tomorrow to truly look. Diverse, inclusive, and equal. That women be paid the same as men. That it doesn't matter where in the world you come from, you be treated the same. That there be a sense of respect and dignity and compassion, no matter who you are and no matter where you were born. That it not matter what gender you are or what age you are or what your background is, in any way, that humanity be enlightened enough not to see the superficial differences, but to see our inner humanity core and unity, essentially. That's absolutely possible today, not even tomorrow. It literally takes us to say, we're going to drop division for the sake of power.
1: Brilliantly put. And I totally agree with you because violated values very quickly raises your consciousness around what's important, which is the central part of the wisdom in your book and the story that I've listened to you that you shared. And in fact, that gave me clarity around why I made the choices that I made. But more importantly, how did you decide which countries to include? Because you've visited 150, but you've highlighted 101 in your book.
0: Yes, I'm now at 168, I think, in my explorations, so I have even more to choose from. But the ones that are in the book are the ones that perhaps I went to first, because there was a, there's a delay between me finishing writing and when the book actually came out, number one. Number two, I think it was the countries where perhaps the values were at the forefront of my mind. So I went for the like low-hanging fruit, if you will. Which makes the follow-up even more interesting, like they're going to be the more difficult countries, such as Iraq, which is harder to visit and harder to summarise, perhaps, or Central Africa Republic, or Gabon. Yeah, watch this space.
1: Brilliant. Circling back to my question, because I see that you have two masters and you've also done your PhDs in Global Values. So career rise and academically, similar for me. I've had careers across multiple industries and areas and not just as a lawyer and academically across three different disciplines. And it's confusing when people looked at that, particularly last century, they're like, you don't stay anywhere very long. You're not in the right subject areas or something like that. But the moment I looked through the lens of my values, it made sense. The judgments didn't hit home because they weren't true for me. They were a sort of a chauvinism. This is how we do it, you stay in a job for life, you're loyal, you never leave. You've had quite an interesting movement, career and academically. Was it by choice or by chance?
0: I think it was that course correction of values that I said at the beginning, that every time I felt as though I was veering off track, I would re-question, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Is this in line with what I really believe in? Or Could something else serve me and therefore serve everyone around me and therefore help my kind of service or mission or vision or purpose, if you will, that that be better served if I was doing something slightly, you know, if I course corrected it at this point. So you're right. There's a a delicate balance between, I guess, thinking upfront rather than thinking once you're in a job and then having to change. And there's a fine balance between spending enough time in a role that you really do it justice, but vis-a-vis switching and swapping too often. So I don't think I I wasn't a butterfly in my choices, but I'm definitely a butterfly through my networks, so to speak. There's a lot of variety, but there are deep-rooted themes in my career journey.
1: Oh, absolutely. It leads me back to what I said earlier when we're multidisciplinary and we can be in these transdisciplinary spaces. We bring so much of our creative selves and we learn so much from people bringing their whole selves instead of coming in and just as an expert of this or that. Now, you also attended Harvard, and I was interested to hear more about Harvard's business oath and the global business oath. Is that something that you were involved in or influenced Very much
0: involved in. It's according to um, Nitin Noria, who then became the Dean of Harvard Business School. It was an initiative that actually began by Sumatra Ghoshal, who was based at London Business School. And because my MBA is a kind of cross between London Business School and Harvard Business School with a little bit of Sloan from MIT, Nitin just thought it'd be right that I kind of take it back to London, so if you will. So there was this ask he made for me to kind of spread the word, not just through London Business School, but actually business schools across the world. Why would we stop at just Harvard and London? Why would you not include as many business students as you could? And then we actually went further than just even the MBA program. Why wouldn't you, to your point look at master students or speak to master students across the board. And then why would you not speak to companies directly themselves, whether it be the young global leaders that are in their firms or the C-suite? So that's what we did based out of the World Economic Forum.
1: Thank you. That's definitely an area I'm going to further explore. What other areas would you like to touch on and expand and definitely feel free to share about what you do in your work? I'd say
0: the exciting things that are happening right now are the fact that the Olympics are around the corner and the book has been chosen as a special kind of guide to the Olympics, if you will, and is is this week coming out in Japanese for that very purpose. So that's super exciting right now. And indeed exciting, because what do we know that's positive about Peru or Paraguay or Papua New Guinea? Like you see the Olympics, but do we have do we have any understanding of each other's nations or each other's best kind of quality or each other's strength or attribute or value so i i appreciate the lens or the kind of deep dive that will be put into each and every country in a very equitable way so that one country is not seen as higher or lower or less or better or worse they're all being celebrated and the other thing that's happening this week that's mind-blowing to me is that the fact that the book is becoming a non fungible token, an NFT? It's being NFTed. So that is super exciting because there aren't many examples of such art or creativity, or in this case, a book that has been NFTed. It's happening now, it's beginning to happen. And so we're kind of trailblazers in that space, if you will.
1: Congratulations. That's a major leap forward. And thank you for sharing that here. We'll be sure to make sure that awareness is raised around that, for sure. So, Mandy, any last words as we wrap up?
0: What this book does is essentially help us clarify the values that are important to us or you as the reader or the individual not to you you know not what's important to your peer group or your friendship circle or your neighbors or your parents but what's important to really you and it's not it doesn't take long and it's not a it's not a difficult process but it's absolutely time and effort worth spent worthwhile spending i could say it would the book is like a, a short process that helps you do a deep dive into what drives you forward what motivates you what gets the best out of you and helps you then focus on that so that you're you're the best version of yourself and that you're leading a legacy that you truly believe in and leaving a legacy that you'll be proud of
1: Absolutely. And I treasure those comments because once I started looking through the lens of my values, my satisfaction increased, my contentment increased, my contributions were more valid and authentic. And I get to model for my daughters and my granddaughter, my communities, and also for my global audience and peers as well. Well, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom here today.
0: Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe, leave a review and a rating, but more importantly, share with your connections.